Hi, I'm Madonna. I'm your worst nightmare. To rule the world. Why don't you show them what you do, honey? You've never had more fun with anyone else. People, people, we gotta move on to the next song. Right? Somewhere I'm sweet between. and I'm a bitch, you know what I mean? And that's always been the way it is. I'm, I'm a human being. <laughs> I'm waiting. You're listening to MLVC, the Madonna podcast, your place for all things Madonna Louise. Veronica Ciccone and beyond. Hey, everybody, it's Stefan. Hey, guys, it's Tony. Happy hot summer day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Before we get into today's episode, MLVC has a sponsor this week, rockandrollscene.net, an online gallery featuring limited edition prints of musicians, including wonderful, never-before-available photographs of Madonna by renowned photographer Scott Weiner. We've got a special offer for our MLVC listeners, free shipping on any Madonna print by typing Madonna in the coupon code at checkout. So go check out the website, Search Madonna and add some new prints to your collection. Wow. Thank you, rockandrollscene.net. I will have to take a look and find Yeah, we're going to get a print, Tony. <laughs> well, today we are so excited to have a special Madonna podcast crossover today. Today on MLBC, we are joined by Edward Russell, the host and creator of Inside the Groove, all the way from the UK. Welcome, Edward. Hello, thank you. Thank you so much Hello, for having Edward. me. Hi, Stefan. Hi. Welcome, welcome. How are things over in the UK these days? Well, you know, probably quite similar to you. We're about oh, 101, I think 102 days into lockdown. Um, things are easing a bit in some areas. Um, and it's not a hot summer day here. It's been really warm, but the last few days have been a bit cold and very windy. So, uh, yeah, not the same weather as you've got. Yeah, no, we're a heat wave over here. And so, well, Tank top, and, tank top and slutty shorts for Tony. <laughs> oh, are you kidding? No. <laughs> well, hopefully the winds of change will blow over here because it's too damn hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stand it your way. Thank you so much. So um, I would love to introduce Edward um, to all you guys. So you know who you're speaking to. So Edward is the host of the Inside the Group podcast, which takes deep dives into Madonna songs, discussing how each track was written and recorded, using interviews with the people involved. Um, recent interviews have included Tony Shimkin. Uh, one of my favorites was with Lucy O'Brien, the Madonna. Um, she's written books about Madonna. And yeah, so he plays with the demos and the isolated tracks for the recording sessions. Edwards also worked on big BBC shows like Top of the Pops, Doctor Who. He's also written a book on the subject and he's producing the new Wallace and Gromit. But his history with Madonna goes back two decades. For those of us who have been around the block with Madonna, uh, you'll know that he ran the Madonna-rama website, which I know I've clicked on a million times, which... Um, Covered Madonna specifically during the music and the American life eras. Uh, wow, where do we start, Stefan? I know, Edward, that's, uh, you've, you've, I love, you have an amazing career so far. I'd, I'd love to focus a little bit on your Madonna journey. When did you become a Madonna fan? 
Oh, interesting. Well, I was I was 13, nearly 14 when Holiday came out. Um, mm-hmm. And I first saw and heard the song when Madonna performed on On Top of the Pops, the show I went mm-hmm. on to work on. Um, and I don't remember particularly loving it or, or being particularly impressed by her. I, can, I think I thought she looked a bit like one of those tough girls that might beat you up at school. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and because on the same show was Cindy Lauper doing Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which which I loved. And I, you know, was much more impressed by her. Um, I think a lot of people were at that time, though. Yeah. You know, like, I think Cindy was sort of the shining bright star who everyone thought was going to be the Madonna of the yeah. future. And, uh, but the biggest insult was when Cindy was invited to sing on We Are the World and Madonna. Oh. Did not receive an invitation. <laughs> yeah, I've heard lots of stories about Cindy being awkward on that recording, though. Have you heard any of those stories? No. Uh, I can hear her jewelry. Yeah, there's, the there's, there's some some rumors that she wasn't easy, and I'm sure Madonna would have been would have been great. But um, but yeah, so that was my sort of introduction, and then she was suddenly very famous, and I liked her. I like you know I was 14, 15 at this point, um, and I don't. I think the first record I ever had by her though was True Blue which uh, I got on my 17th birthday. It was bought for me by my girlfriend at the time, Carol. Uh, that's, a <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was the Like a Prayer era, or era, as you guys say, which is where my love for her sort of went off into the stratosphere. And then, mm-hmm. of course, uh, Vogue, Blonde Ambition, Immaculate Collection. By this point, I was a huge, huge Madonna fan. Uh, yeah. And still am today. I, th- I think my love... Not my love for her, it's that's always been constant, but my, my obsession has gone up and down a little bit over the years. Yeah. But yeah. um but you know, it's still very much prevalent and takes a lot takes up a lot of my time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there was always like with Madonna fans, I always think there's one moment in her career that becomes the moment that you got fully on board you know like if you weren't on board with the who's that girl era or if you you know like oh yeah express yourself is good like vogue just like pulled the rug out from underneath you and then you were like okay i'm 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 on board thanks madonna yeah i think with with like a prayer she had been great and she'd done some great pop songs um and i'd enjoyed it but that suddenly those that run of singles and then the the lp we're just wow this is really mm-hmm. creative she is so much better than everyone else around her because of course you had people like belinda carlisle and martika and debbie gibson all these other artists coming out of the states as well as of course whitney and michael jackson but she had stepped it up on that button she also looked incredible she came back with that long brown hair mm-hmm. and she was just a step ahead of everybody else was the artists in the UK at the time were, because obviously Madonna originates from the US, but she was on a global scale. Mm-hmm. Were you sort of like looking at artists in the UK being like, oh, Madonna's better than them or not as good as them? Yeah, especially mm. because during that time there was that huge Stock Icon Waterman run. And I feel like a lot of songs, even though they were some of them were amazing, they all sounded similar. Yeah, it's a really interesting question, actually, because... Um, I mean, I was a teenager in the 80s. I was 10 at the beginning and 19 at the end. So that kind of was very formative for me. I feel that the music scene in the UK at the beginning of the 80s was very forward facing. Uh, you had big groups that came out and were successful in the US, such as um, Human League, Duran Duran, Eurythmics. Um, and, and then, yeah, there was, and, and, and at the time, the, the, the American music scene felt a bit stuck in the 70s still. 
Um, you had great stuff like Toto and stuff, but it all felt a bit old fashioned. Um, yeah. And then it kind of changed on its axis in the mid 80s, where you had, uh, I mean, Prince and Michael Jackson had been around for a little bit, but suddenly Janet Jackson and Madonna were coming out with stuff that sounded a bit more advanced. But then mm-hmm. you, had, you had that real sort of crossover where you had the Chicago house scene and you had the UK house scene. And they, that sort of came together at the end of the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt like a really developed time but you're right the stock Aitman waterman stuff um it was a bit cheesy and a bit naff um <laughs> uh, um there were some big hits thing is when you listen to all that stuff today because it's not important that it sounds cool you realize yeah. they're really good songs they are and they have stood the test of time but um at the time they they did feel already a bit dated um, and madonna definitely was you know she her music was much more advanced than than any of the stock Aitman waterman stuff definitely yeah I mean, yep. I'll listen to old Madonna and definitely think, oh, okay, this sounds like an, a song from the 80s. You know, like when you listen to some of her earlier work. Yeah. Um, Are you speaking about Think of Me specifically? <laughs> uh, no. I mean, like if you listen to a lot of her, like the mid 80s, like around True Blue or Who's That Girl, um, I feel like a lot of that stuff definitely has a footprint from the 80s. You know, like when yeah. you listen to it, you're like, okay. That's total 80s production and whatnot. But for some strange reason, I feel like it, it sort of works in her favor. Whereas on some other artists, you would listen to them and think, ooh, wow, that sounds really old. Yeah, I think it's interesting. And I think I may have covered this in, in one of the podcasts, maybe about Open Your Heart, that her music was very of its time, but the musicians they were using were the, the very best. The same mm-hmm. sort of musicians that Michael Jackson was using. And so... You know, it, it was really high quality 80s stuff, which is why a track like Open Your Heart still sounds fresh today. OK, it, it sounds 80s, but it doesn't sound um, embarrassing in the way, you know, those Stock Aitman Waterman tracks do. Definitely. So uh, all the money and all the talent was going into the songs. Definitely. Yeah, she's yeah, definitely uh, got a good production value. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean by that, because the other day I just happened, it just happened by accident to find myself on YouTube and suddenly it was, I think from a few years ago, Kylie Minogue and uh, uh, Rick Ashley were singing uh, Never Gonna Give You Up Together. I think it was at Hyde Park. <laughs> oh my God, and, I have to watch that. And I mean, it's cute and cringy all at the same time, you know, but when, but Edward's right. When you hear Madonna sing, for example, I don't know, uh, Like a Virgin, it, it doesn't have that, it doesn't have that like cringe factor. Yeah, the interesting thing about Never Gonna Give You Up, it was based on um, Colonel Abrams' Trapped, which was a big song to come out of the US in, what was it, 87, I think. So mm-hmm. they gave it a very similar feel. So it, it was already trying to be something else. Um, and I think a lot of what Madonna, not everything that Madonna did, but certainly a lot of the key tracks really didn't sound like anything else in the in the 80s. Like a Prayer does not sound like any other song that was in the charts before or after. Definitely not at all. And uh, I, I always think of live to tell how that yeah. song just kind of broke through the charts and there was nothing like that anywhere. All the power ballads were like heavy metal influenced. Yeah. So, like, should, you know, live- that should never have been a hit. I think even Patrick Leonard said, you know, it's six minutes long with this yeah. one minute silence in the middle of it. It should not have been a hit, but, but it was definitely. Yeah. Well, and even in the tours afterward, I mean, it's like a big 10 minute chunk of the show and, yeah. and people, people love it. I love it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think also with Madonna, she, unlike a lot of artists, started changing up her sound from album to album, which yeah. 
as a Madonna fan, I always appreciated, you know, I loved that. I just thought that was what artists were meant to do, you know, other than her first and second album being very sonically similar. Once she got to True Blue and then Like a Prayer and so forth and so on, all of her, from era to era, she evolved the sound. She changed it up. It sounded slightly different. It was still pop music, but it all had a different production value, which I felt like if you listen to some of the artists from around the same time, they weren't doing that. They were staying very similar from album to album. Definitely. And of course, she changed her look as well. And so that's, you know, what she became known for. It was always, what's Madonna going to do next? And it was always good, you know, which is quite a revelation. Yeah, I never complained. (laughs) (laughs) Never? Oh, well. (laughs) I mean, and we've had this, you know, come up on the podcast for many, many, you know, many times, is that I think part of being a Madonna fan, and you'll appreciate this as well, Edward, is that there are oftentimes she comes out with something and you might not like it as much as you liked what she did last. And you, you know, it's a love-hate relationship sometimes, you know. not every yeah, that's part of being a fan. Yeah, not every relationship is perfect all the time, 24-7. And I feel like the people who are saying they love 100% every output from her, they're lying to themselves because there's there's favorites. Yeah, definitely. And 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 part of being a fan of somebody is talking about the stuff that doesn't work. You know, what singles should she have released or or what producers should she not have worked with? That kind of, and we enjoy doing that. And that doesn't mean we don't love the artist or we don't love mm-hmm. Madonna. It's it's part of what we do. And you're right, there are some people that won't won't hear bad things said about Madonna. And if you say something negative, then, you know, that's, that's terrible. And I, I don't know if they're lying to themselves. I, th- I think they probably just don't really appreciate the stuff that well. It's like um, sometimes you hear a demo, it'll, something will leak, I don't know, a demo from Hard Candy. Um, and I'll listen to it and go, yeah, I can see why this was a demo and why this was never used. And you mm-hmm. see the comments on YouTube and they're like, this is amazing. This is better than any other song. <laughs> and, and you just think, well, some people just haven't got a quality threshold. And that's fine. I'm glad they're enjoying it, but um, yeah, they 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 you know they just love everything. Good for them. I'm well. So on on the demo topic, since you brought it up, I because mm-hmm. that will happen every now and again where I'll hear a demo and think, oh, this is so good, and then she'll you know come out with the official version. I was listening when you did your um, Into the Groove uh, breakdown about that song my first exposure to Into the Groove was the demo that she uses at the end of Desperately Seeking Susan. And I think that always like was the definitive version for me. So when they souped it up and, you know, reproduced it and made it all slick and added some elements to it, I actually never really liked that version as much because I thought the grittier, Mm -hmm. more bare version just sounded so like, perfect and i felt like they added too many bells and whistles to it so i love yeah, the, because, i love the demo i i love it yeah. too because after you can dance it kind of be, that that shep pettibone remix kind of became like the definitive version of into the group but i disagree mm-hmm. i love i love that on the celebration cd they put the I think what I what I think is a definitive version which is like the single version that was on the angel 12 inch right yeah yeah yeah, it's it's really interesting because um, 
recent in the last couple of days a demo of sorry has leaked i don't know if you've heard this at all uh, no so this is I mean, why you're here to tell us. <laughs> yeah gonna say, so, we're gonna start a job <laughs> and you'll just, you'll just fill it up with goodies every now and again yeah i might do a small mini episode on it because i don't think there's enough to cover the whole song but mm-hmm. um yeah so a demo and it's very similar it's almost the same her vocals sound a bit different and then the melody and the lyrics in the verse is quite different uh it's a different melody that she sings and when you listen to it it's like oh wow this is better and then you think about it and and it's not better that you you know why she changed it the melody that it's um changed to it is better um but it's because it's fresh and it's different and it's a new shiny thing and i think that's oh, yeah. why we all go oh wow yeah but but you're right that it's the rawness of that original into the groove i'm so glad she didn't re-record the vocals because it was mentioned to her and she said no um and and they they're, they're what make the song her voice is screeching through it it's yeah um and i love it i you know i talk about madonna's voice all the time and i i'm sure there are some fans that cringe when i say it's not the technically the best voice but it's not we're kidding it's ourselves not. if we think it's, well, she's it's admitted that herself i mean yeah. she said that on record you know she says it in truth or dare yeah yeah but it's got a wonderful sound it really has and in into the groove that vocal cuts through it's just fantastic i love it really love it and, and no you're right it's not you know dame jones sutherland for crying out loud but guess <laughs> what every time i hear madonna's voice it just resonates with me and it has since the very beginning i you know i was what 10 when I heard uh, what's that song called borderline on the radio. And I was like, I don't know who this person is. I've never heard a music that sounded like that, but it all just landed, you know? So yeah, something, something about her voice. I, there was a review from, I guess it must've been bedtime stories or something like that, but I'll never forget just the line where the guy is like, when you first hear Madonna's gorgeous voice. And I always go back to that sentence because it is gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Do you remember when she re-recorded uh, bits of the vocal for uh, Into the Groove, for Into the Hollywood Groove in 2003? Yeah. And, and she changed some of the lines and re-recorded just some of the vocal. And it just doesn't sound so nice. It's almost, it's a bit posher sounding. And, it's too overproduced. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I have a theory about that. I have a theory about that. I think oh, yeah. that she changed those lyrics so she could create new publishing and not pay Stephen Bray. Oh, yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> just saying uh, well think, she also yeah. had to do it for the gap commercial i mean she had to re-record some of that to fit in mm-hmm. you know where'd you get those jeans <laughs> i think when madonna does something you know i love her obviously i love her but yeah what, the, the the creative decision is often a financial thing in there with madonna and i mean that in, in the oh, nicest yeah. possible way no i mean this is this is the pop music industry you know yeah, yeah. Um, which is i think what a lot of fans aren't in the know about you know they i i see so many people screaming on random madonna fan boards and message boards and comments saying why isn't she doing your legacy yeah why isn't she doing that why isn't she doing this why isn't she putting that out and i'm thinking there are licensing deals that we are not being made privy to that are holding things up that are dragging out in court or who knows what people aren't getting paid so they can't release it, you know, it's, I mean, yeah. sure she would love to. And, you know? and think about all the things that we never find out about. Like, for example, when we had Kevin stay on the show and he told us that they did a Nike commercial for a Madonna yes. sneaker, you know, yeah. and with music and everything. And uh, no one, no one has any evidence of this anywhere, but we know it happened, you know? There's, yeah. there's, there's loads of things we don't know about. And I think with a lot of artists, they talk about it a lot. Madonna is just never lets anything out. So, um, I left it as like, nope, 
Not yeah. going to talk about it. <laughs> hey, Edward, I want to talk uh, quickly about your the process for your podcast. I love what you do. I love how you you know, deconstruct the songs. I mean, for me, this is crack because <laughs> I, you know, I've always had these thoughts in my mind. You know, I was the, the kid who read the liner notes, you know, pretended these people were my friends, Jay Winding and Paulina <laughs> DaCosta, you know, I mean, these names are like, you know, ingrained in my brain. But um, it's specifically like Vogue. I thought that was great. Um, how did you get all of these, uh, you know, tracks? I mean, how how is how hard is it to find them and um, uh is that I mean, what is that how you decide what song you're going to cover yeah more or less so i think um there's about 30 or maybe less than that um songs by madonna that have leaked the multi-tracks have leaked and mm-hmm. quite a number of artists their multi-tracks have leaked in recent years so i've tried to understand why it is um partly it's for the rock band and guitar hero uh games right. where the record companies have released the multi-tracks to these um, games companies to make the the special versions and stuff, but I think also a lot of a lot of legacy songs have been digitized and somehow they've made their way onto the internet because they've got a value, obviously. Um, and so, yeah, a number of Madonna ones have leaked, and I think a lot of them are exchanging hands for much more money. So, like mm-hmm. a prayer, the multi track of like a prayer isn't out there, but it, it not not for me, but it probably is for someone who's got the right money to to spend mm-hmm. uh, on it. So the ones that are out there for free you know that you don't have to look on too many madonna forums um madonna infinity is a good one uh that they will be shared on there um and yeah it's i guess there are only so many songs that i can cover because as you say that the podcast has a particular format yeah. and um you need to be able to listen to these isolated tracks to be able to break it down um, I did try it with erotica and I, there is no multi-track of erotica, but there's quite a few demos. So it worked with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it yes, does I, mean, go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say, I'm, I'm using my erotica microphone today on the podcast. So. <laughs> now you know all about it. The, uh, everyone yeah. listening, Tony and Edward are using their souped up ray of light or confessions on the dance floor. Microphone. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm gritty and raw today. <laughs> yeah. No, um, but you use it use a stellar microphone i mean from a technical standpoint i i'm always salivating over your production value on uh, oh yeah it is it is amazing you know like tell me that you're not self-taught please tell me that you're right oh oh, you're gonna hate this i don't understand what i'm doing right (laughs) i um keep keep doing it keep doing it your editing is flawless you construct the episodes really well so well thank you your voice is straight out of BBC One. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I, I genuinely, I thought I'd try this. So at the beginning of lockdown, whenever it was, 100 days ago, I thought, oh, let's do it. Vogue had just had celebrated 30 years. And I've had all these thoughts about Vogue going around in my head for many years. As You know, you were saying Tony and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to get it into a podcast. I thought I'd give it a go. And um put it out there. And it got 100 listens in a day. And I was like, okay, that's really good. And then... And then it got 500 listens the next day and suddenly it was really popular. I thought, okay, I better do another one. And um, yeah, people were saying, this is really good. It sounds really professional. And I genuinely, I'm, I'm, believe you me, I am not a modest person. If I can take a claim for something, I will. Um, I don't know what I'm doing right. I don't really listen to podcasts. Um, my husband listens to a lot. He's always listened to podcasts. And I think many that he listens to are, are terrible. <laughs> so maybe I've, you know, in the back of my head, I've been listening to what they're doing wrong and been trying not to. Um, but you know what? I think 
and as much as I'd like to take the credit, I think people just want to hear about this side of Madonna because yeah. we've heard so much about her and no one ever really talks about the songwriting or, or, the, or you know, the producership that she does as well. And it's really nice. And I think also during the pandemic, people have started to think about times gone past, happier times maybe. And so mm. this has landed at the right time that people want to hear these stories and, and remember times when they could go out and dance uh, to all those great tracks maybe. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, when I heard your Vogue episode and uh, realized that all these years I'd been listening to samples of Lucky Star and Like a Virgin, I just wanted to like reach in and give you a big hug. It's like, <laughs> like, that is brilliant, you know? I mean, you know, I mean, you know, she's been, you know, referencing herself in her music since the beginning as we are now discovering, you know? Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you a question. So out of all the songs that are available and the ones that are not available, uh, the multi-tracks, I mean, what would be your holy grail, you know, track that you would love to do an episode about? Well, I think I already mentioned Like a Prayer. I'd love to get the mm. multi-track of that. Um, what does exist, there's, there are um, the, the demo, of course. Patrick Leonard put that out himself a couple of years mm -hmm. ago. Um, there's lots of remixes which got elements that you could play in. Um, and the the stem of the choir singing leaked, mm -hmm. uh, so that and there's there. all the the Prince instrumentation as well. Correct? Yeah, yeah, there's all that kind of stuff. So I think I could do an episode on Like a Prayer. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe when I eventually end, because you know it will end one day. Maybe I'll yeah. end with Like a Prayer. But if <laughs> if um, if there's there's one that um, I would like to hear that isn't available, I think it might be something like La Isla Bonita. It's a song that I really like, and I'd love to hear mm -hmm. how that was put together because it feels quite basic but i think it's probably a lot more complicated than it seems so yeah. that would be great um well, that's I, I was listening to your music episode uh, i mean i've always loved music and i think at first listen when you hear that song you think wow this is a really sparse production but at the same time there's a lot going on in that song yeah yeah i think that's almost like that to me has been so, sort of the brilliance of her in her work is she makes it sound and look as if it's this effortless, not complicated thing that she's doing or singing or producing. When in reality, when you strip it away, it's like, oh, wow, no, there's a lot of layers here. You know, that's that's exactly the the good thing. And the, uh, the problem with Madonna is I think people look at what she does and thinks, oh, she's not really trying. She's not putting any effort into it. And you think oh, if, it was, uh, <laughs> if it was if it was that easy, why are there not 10 Madonnas every week? Right. Because, you know, only she can do it. So mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're absolutely hit the nail, nail on the head there. I would love to get more information. I'm sure a lot of us would on the recording of the Don't Cry For Me Argentina remix as well as the buenos aires God, remix because obsessed with this remix no because <laughs> no i mean mariah does it all the time as we've discussed but this is the first time first and only time i think that madonna sang you know sang the vocals over specifically for a remix this was recorded in miami at crescent moon studios it was yeah. uh um that was Emilio and Gloria Estefan's studio and they had her there for a couple months while she was recording and re-recording tracks from Evita, but yeah, there, I mean, Nikki brought it up a little bit, you know, that they were brought in to sing the background vocals, but mm -hmm. I need more information. And why are these not available? It's just crazy. <laughs> do, you, what, do you know what? That remix always reminds me. Do you have the Graham Norton show out there? Oh yeah. Yeah. It? We can. Yeah. So when you next watch that, the the music on the opening titles for that show is exactly the same. As yes. The as I would remix. say, it's, it's very cha-cha. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Maybe one day we'll find out. Who knows? Yeah.
Yeah, I would love for her to do more proper vocals for some of her remixes. I, I have always admired that about Mariah Carey is how much effort she puts into re-recording those, you know, the, the, the remix vocals. And I felt like on a song like Crave, that that would have benefited. Oh, yeah. Or like Ghost Town. The, some of the songs work really well, very easily transition from regular version, album version to remix. But then there are some songs where I was like, yeah, this might have been better if she re-recorded it, but could have, would have, should have. Yeah, definitely. Because I think if you speed up a song, because a lot of remixes tend to be faster, you can technically and digitally, you can speed up the vocal as well, but it also speeds up the vibrato. So it mm -hmm. can sound, I think there's some frozen mixes or maybe secret mixes that are like that. And it sounds really warbly. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and that's probably why Mariah re-records stuff because it sounds a lot better like that. But also I love it when you have stuff that doesn't make the seven inch or the album mix that waits until you get to the uh 12 inch version so there's that brilliant bit in open your heart where she does the whole uh well yeah. are you gonna go out with me or not and all that stuff is, is great <laughs> yeah i love and i also love when you hear like with the vogue uh maxi single you know like you hear things that don't make it on in terms of like musical bits that didn't make it into the the edited album version and or like express yourself you know with uh, a lot of the, the chef pettibone remix i love oh, yeah. that there's just like different elements that you get exposed to that sort of open up the song a bit more than if you would only hear the album version well that was what was the biggest revelation for me doing the podcast was when i talked to tony shimkin who edited vogue and i always assumed that when they did the remixes or the single mix you know they they sort of ran it out for seven minutes um but he said no they just did bits like like let's make this the intro and they did 20 seconds and then he literally went in with tape and and scissors and 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 put it all together that way that was fascinating to hear that mm -hmm. that's how it was constructed very old school why do you think that Vogue has been such a mainstay staple of hers? I mean, it's to me, it's one of my favorite songs of hers. And it's it, to me, it's such a staple of like what defines her as an artist. Why do you think that that works yeah. so well? You, you know, you're quite right. And just listening to it again in recent times because of the 30th anniversary, it still sounds fresh. It sparkles. Mm -hmm. It's it's a really great song. It's interesting because at the time it didn't feel particularly special, dare I say. Um, you know, the house thing had happened a year earlier in the UK, certainly, and probably in the US as well, I imagine. And then, oh, Madonna's doing a house track. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and it sounded good. It sounded fresh, but it didn't sound... Um, that amazing but it does now i i've asked myself this a lot recently why how has it lasted and i think what happened with vogue is something that madonna always did she took what was current what the in thing was and got the very best people involved because mm -hmm. shep had been doing all these house mixes for the last two three years since house music had came to come to prominence so it, you know he he was the man to get to do a house track it was mm -hmm. recorded uh in new york um, it was, um, you know, just, this is what she does. She takes what's good and just does it as, as, as best as anybody could. But also it's the, the song is about dancing and any song about getting on the dance floor, uh, is always going to be a classic and is always going to last you, whether it's dancing queen or into the groove, it's that stuff that gets played at wedding discos and yep. everybody just loves. Mm -hmm. And if you've got some moves that you can do as well, you know, look at Macarena or something like that. People just love to do it. And, and that's why it's sustained because it's not just us Madonna fans that love Vogue. 
everybody loves it. There's a real ethos to it. Um, it's it's very 1990, but it's also very um, 1940s because of the yep. whole Hollywood glamour. Feels the video and the and you know the actual references in it as well. It's it's classic and it's timeless. And you know, Vogue's Vogue's pretty exceptional. It really is. No, Edward, you're right. It is timeless because look at this. It's uh, 30 years from its release, and I mean it. It's a prophetic song. I mean, drag and ballroom culture is mainstream now, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. And, you know, Madonna, you know, even though she's been accused of appropriating this culture, I don't think she did. I think she is um, translating it, you know, to a wider audience. And now, 30 years later, it is, you know, a household word. Yeah, definitely. And, and I wonder how much drag and um, trans culture would be in the mainstream stream today if it wasn't for Madonna, actually. I think yeah. by making us aware of it 30 years ago, she accelerated that happening. I'm sure mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and also, you know, like by putting it out there in, you know, Blind Ambition, which the tour also celebrated 30 years along with Vogue and, you know, it was so in our faces. It was so, it was everywhere because that was pinnacle Madonna. And she sort of normalized it in a way, whereas, you know, nobody had ever seen or heard of this. And although I don't think she was taking credit for it, but she definitely deserves credit for elevating it to the masses and, and making it appear as if it's, oh yeah, this is just something everyone can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're very right. Well, I want to get, Edward credit for uh, running Madonna Rama, which Madonna Rama, how do I even say this? Madonna Rama. Madonna Rama. Uh, I love this website. Uh, tell us how, how that started and um, when you, you know, how it blew up and when you decided to walk away. Oh, it was a whole lifetime away, wasn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, I think, I got into the internet, as it were. Well, we all did get, get into the internet. But like 98, 99, I started to visit a lot of websites. And mm-hmm. um, it was around the time, of course, of uh, Ray of Light uh, and Beautiful Strange and all that. So I would want to find out Madonna information that way. And There's I think a lot it, of chatter back then. You know? Yeah, there was a lot. Do you remember that the um, Warner, Warner Brothers site had a chat board, and mm-hmm. which was terrible? Uh, yeah. there was, <laughs> but there were some, there were some uh, fan sites. And I think I started a GeoCities fan site. Um, I thought, hey, I'd give it a go as well. And I just, that's what everyone else was doing. I thought I can do a Madonna one and I can host some clips and... Uh, and, you know, that's kind of how it started. But um, I think something in my personality, and there are as many people that hate me for it as love me for it, <laughs> is that I'm, I'm quite competitive. And if I do something, I want it to be as good as I can do it. And I'm doing mm-hmm. this for me, not not to compete with anybody else. I just, yeah. you know, I like to do stuff well. And I just sort of thought, well, okay, if I'm going to do this website, I'm going to do it well, I'm going to get it designed a bit better. I'm going to buy the URL, madonnarama.com. Um, and, and, and eventually I kind of just told people it was the best website. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's kind of that self-fulfilling thing. Um, but it was a lot of work. I, yeah, I would, it looked like- a, a, any Madonna story that came up, and there was a lot, back then um i would consider and i would curate it a bit like i do with the the podcast i wouldn't Mm -hmm. just put everything up but if i thought it was worthwhile i would put that story um on there and what would happen is that people who had information that wanted to get it out would come to me because they knew that i would do it perhaps to a standard that they thought was good and Mm -hmm. um and so 
So we broke, I say we, I mean, it was me. <laughs> Although there was a team that sort of helped me out, actually, that, yeah. to be fair. Um, we, we broke a number of big stories um, just because it came our way first. Uh, and of course, the more you do that, the more you become the place that people come to and it became notorious. So, so it was great from that perspective, but it was also difficult. It was a lot of work. Um, it was quite unpleasant at times. There were a lot of people that were really not very nice. Um, oh, imagine that Madonna fans not being nice to other Madonna fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I probably deserved it a bit because um, I, I I was there saying, "Hey, this is this is the best place," and um, some people didn't like that, especially if they. Well, had. there are a lot of Madonna fans who don't like feeling as if they're not the biggest Madonna fan. I, yeah. I've discovered that everyone holds her very precious to themselves. And th- if they feel someone sort of encroaching on their space as oh, I'm the biggest Madonna fan, how dare they come after that title? You know, they, they feel a bit threatened um, because everyone loves her and everyone wants to love her the most. And- I think we should be like doctors. We should like each have a, like some, a specialty, you know, like I'll be <laughs> the biggest fan of Madonna as an actress in bad films. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> You'd probably be the only fan of Madonna. <laughs> no, I'm joking, of course. I mean, yeah, I'm, I don't doubt for a minute that I probably deserved some of it. Uh, I, you know, people used to say some quite awful things and do some awful things, um, mm. uh, you know. Uh, but you know what? It's the kind of stuff that we've all suffered recently, perhaps on, on social media. I kind of got it 15 years before anybody else. Um mm. But um, as for why I stopped, well, um, I think you you guys know this. Your podcast is is really well loved and really well respected. But it's a lot of work. Yeah, and it's like being on a treadmill, isn't it? And you, you're afraid yeah. to jump off. Um, and I think I just jumped off one day. I just thought, right, that's it. Because after a while, it defines you. And yeah. is that what I wanted to be defined by in my life, uh, running a Madonna fan site. I mean, it brought me lots of things. It brought me, kind of brought me the job I had at the BBC on top of the pops. That kind of was the way in. It brought me some great friendships, actually. Some mm-hmm. some people are still friends with me today. Oh, I'm still friends with today. Um, but um, yeah, I just, just leapt off. And I kind of put the Madonna fandom away really and for a while i just remembered all the the horrible people um uh and when i crept back during this podcast i did wonder if they would sort of get their heads out again but so far <laughs> so far everyone's been absolutely positive so yeah maybe maybe i'm maybe it's me maybe i'm just doing it a bit better than i did before no it's just it's a it's a place in time you know like um you know you were at the right place at the right time actually when you were doing madonna rama because uh you were in London and music and American life were mostly based out of London. So I guess that's where all the information was coming yeah. from, you know? You know, I was talking about this with my husband this morning because we were discussing uh, Madonna, as we often do. He's a big Madonna fan as well. So we we often have conversations and I knew I'd be chatting with you. And I'd forgotten just how crazy it was because um, she was, the press was everywhere and you know what the British press is like anywhere. Anyway, um, and she only had to leave the house to get a pint of milk and she'd be photographing her Adidas trackie um, or, yeah, or right. flap cap. Um, and, and so it was everywhere and it was very exciting. And I, was, uh, I wasn't in Madonna's world at all, but I was I- I- in the media world as well. So I, I kind of crossed over and, and it was just, as you say, I was in the right place and at the right time. So that's why, that's why it worked, definitely. Do you think that her 
not fandom, but her celebrity is better now or evolved in a way from how it used to be, you know, like you were saying about music in American life and those eras and how the paparazzi was always there ready to photograph her. But like, is she doing the same things now that she was back then or has it, has things changed? I think the big thing that's changed is that back then she was definitely the number one female pop star. Mm. Um, still, uh, you know, she'd, she'd, gone away a little bit and come back again but there was no Beyonce there was no Taylor Swift um, Katy Perry Lady Gaga all that Um, okay so you had Britney you had Christina you had Kylie but they they none of them were at the level that she was so yeah that that that's changed and and so I I was talking to a 25 year old the other day and I'm 50 so someone's (laughs) half my age and saying and, and it came up that I did a Madonna podcast and she kind of smiled a bit <laughs> and i realized it's probably the equivalent of uh you know when i was that age someone saying they were doing a peggy lee podcast or something because yeah, judy carlin podcast yeah maybe maybe that's it so um uh you know you know madonna is still very current and there are lots of young people and you know i see it through the the, the social media account for the podcast there are a lot of young people coming to her but also it is an older fan base and she mm. is a legacy star we we can't deny that yeah she's still making very modern sounding music and and she's eternally cool but she is not at the level that she was before she possibly doesn't want to be at that level anymore who knows um, yeah but but yeah so i think that has changed definitely definitely she's tired yeah on that note edward i am so curious uh to find out what you think about madam x um as an album what you thought of the production uh also the remixes and did you get to see the show when it was in london it's an interesting question because i kind of love it and i there's something about it it's leaving me cold um and i i wanted to love it a lot more than i did um i you know there are some brilliant songs on there um yeah. Uh, I, I don't search. I find uh, God control. Um, uh, Medellin. I ended up really loving. I wasn't sure when I first heard it, heard it. Um, but there's a couple of misses for me on the album. Um, I I don't much like Crave. I think Crave is a great song, but I think the production is not great. And I know people will be saying what they're probably switching <laughs> from this podcast now. But it, it sounds very like Drake or Rihanna. It, it you know, yeah. it feels like what we don't want Madonna to do. It's like, exactly. okay, this is the current sound. I'm going to do exactly that. And it's a shame because it's such a beautiful song. Um, yeah, the remixes uh, work, you know, wonders though. The Tracy Yeah, they do. What she, does, what she does with Crave is sort of how I felt when she did Hard Candy, the album. Yeah. It was, it's like, it's Madonna, but it doesn't sound like a Madonna album. And yeah. Crave, it, it sounds like she's guesting on a Sway Lee track. Yeah, and I love Swaley's um, voice as well. Really Stefan, let me stop you there. Candy Shop is oh, I a love gift candy from shop. heaven, no, okay? I, I, I was <laughs> devastated she didn't do Candy Shop on the Madame X tour. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> the, the, the third time why. would have been the charm. I don't know why Candy Shop has become like a favorite of mine, but when she performed it on the Rebel Heart tour, I was like, this is amazing! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see the Madame X tour. I'm devastated. I tried, I tried really hard to get tickets. I wasn't going to pay... 
too much for them. I, I set yeah. myself a limit. And I think we're trying to get three tickets. There were three of us that wanted to go. And I think if we tried to get a pair, it might have been easier. So each time a new date got released. Anyway, I didn't get tickets. And in the end, I may never have seen her anyway because I might have had tickets for one of the concerts that got cancelled. Oh, yeah, so right. I'm gutted and I really would have liked to have seen it um, because I know people thought it was fantastic um i'm looking forward to it coming out on dvd or blu-ray i really hope that when that happens that the version that she puts out is um quite straightforward because uh, i found I found, uh, I found rebel heart unwatchable the the live version um mm-hmm. it, it, to me it destroys the the actual viewing pleasure of you don't get to see her perform you no. see there's too many bells and whistles deterring you from that. It's like she put it through some of her Instagram filters, isn't it? It's, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I like going on YouTube and seeing like fan footage from yeah. both from MDNA and Rebel Heart because I feel like you get a more faithful version. Yeah. Of, in yeah. fact, I, I think Madonna Rama was the one who posted the video of her doing. Uh, beautiful killer in Paris and there was like just a one shot view of her from the balcony that somebody filmed of her doing it and I was like this is a much better version than the professionally filmed version because you just get to watch her dance you just get to see her perform and that's the last couple tours confessions was great I love Jonas totally honored her performance and honored the way that that tour was put together but ever since then it's just been too music video you know it's been too busy let's face it when we go and see madonna in concert we don't take our eyes off her do we so um i mean i may (laughs) occasionally look at someone else um but but yeah and and uh, and that's what's great there's a really great fan video of I think it may be the MDNA tour. Yeah, it must be because it's masterpiece um, in Canada. And it's just beautiful. Her vocal is beautiful anyway. And I, I'm mesmerized by it. Um, you're right. Sometimes watching those fan videos is great. The other thing with Rebel Heart is it was so obviously cut from different locations and different times because her hairstyle kept changing in between yeah, songs. It, it's infuriating. Like that, again, confessions shot in London, maybe over two nights, but still, you know, basically looks like one cohesive show. Whereas yeah. like Rebel Heart, I could pay attention. And I was like, uh, no, this is not the same show. <laughs> so hopefully when Madame X comes out, as I'm sure it will do, I'm sure she's not going to lose that opportunity. Um, yeah, hopefully it will be, um, you know, presented in, in a the- theatrical way, uh, you know, yeah. literally like a, a theater show. That would be great. So, Edward, I'm also curious, because, you know, you're here so I can pick your brain, obviously. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> so what are some of your your i mean the most memorable madonna slash producer partnerships um you know because once she picks somebody and they create this magic uh she holds on to it for as long as she can and um yeah you know like for example i i'd love to see her work with Stuart price again or um or even david foster you know i mean just to just yeah. to have a little bit of a variety in her you know I mean, the thing with Madonna is she doesn't like to retread old ground. So I right. was really surprised when I heard that she was working with Mia Waste again um, yeah. for Madame X. Um, but it works. It works brilliantly. And I'd really love to hear her do something with Stuart Price again because they both matured, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was really young, wasn't he, when he did uh, Confessions? I think he might have yeah. been about 24, 25. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Baby. Yeah, and he has um, gone on to work with 
people like Pet Shop Boys and Killers and, and you know, Kylie and, and all these other great artists and stuff. And I'd love to know what he would bring to the whole partnership now. Because mm-hmm. um, there's an interview, I think, um, I may have referenced it in the Hung Up uh, episode, where she said she actually thought he was um, not yet at the level to write with. Um, and then she was wrong because they did hung up and it was great. So she's very aware of where people are in their career. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to know what they would do now, what what they could bring um, to each other. Um, and, you know, all us Madonna fans want her to do uh, something with Patrick Leonard again. Yes, please. Um, but I don't know that it, that it would work. There was just, it was the right time and place. I mean, I'd love to think it would. I'd love yeah. to think that, that it would be great. But there was just something, they both had something to prove on True Blue um, and Like a Prayer. And neither of them have anything to prove anymore. That's never really stopped Madonna. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think it's possibly stopped uh, Patrick Leonard. Um, he, you know, I, I don't know that he would be as creative as he would need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, well, imagine and, they actually work together and then people hate it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. You know, like that's, I think that would also be the biggest fear in my mind. If I was Madonna or Patrick Leonard, all of these years have gone by, fans are dying for them to work together and then they do. And then people would be like, this is what it, this is what they came up with. You know, I mean, I could totally see the Madonna fans being exactly like that. You know, like here they are craving for them to work together and then they do. And they're like, that's shit. No, that's an interesting point because I think about, you know, she, had some songwriting collaborations with Rick Knowles in uh, Ray of Light. And since then, he's gone on to, you know, work with Lana Del Rey. And if he would go back to work with Madonna, I don't know if that sound would kind of work today. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, I I think they've fallen out, but that's, yeah. that's another story. <laughs> that's another story. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you've done music, you yeah. know, you've produced, sort of done your own version of music in your in your own career what music would you do for madonna good question interesting um i don't know i don't know if i would be the right person to do that because i'm a fan and she's never really worked with madonna fans has she um yeah give her time time. well she did give danny minogue that uh that remake (laughs) you know she she just handed it to her <laughs> she, I tell you what, there's a song. Um, so I, I, as you're right, you're right. I, I've done my own music, and um, a couple of years ago, I wrote a song, um, and it's called "Walking the High Line," and it will be important to you guys because uh, Stefan, I think you lived neither. No, no, no. You enjoyed walking on the High Line that I much do. that you wanted to write a song about it. Well, it must have been early in the morning before thousands and thousands of people showed up. Quiet day on the High Line. (laughs) Um, (laughs) If I was writing a song about walking on the High Line, it would be like pushing tourists and. Lots of words and yeah, maybe there's some. So the song is actually it's, it's a metaphor uh, for um, the grass is always greener. So the song is about um, uh, walking on the high line, but you'd rather be in Brooklyn. So hey, I, you know I'm with Stefan, but I'd rather be with Tony. That's what uh, I'm saying. Um, but if, if anyone wants, to, if anyone cares enough to listen to my stuff uh, or watch the video, which is shot on the High Line in New York, oh, um, cool. so so do check it out. It's called Walking the High Line. Um, uh, and I think that's the kind of song I'd like I'd like to write for Madonna um, and to see what she could do because it's 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 pop um, it's kind of 80s and it's kind of mm. now it's kind of guitar and it's kind of electronic I'd like her to try something like that you know I don't want her to do another Into the Groove or another Vogue or another Like a Prayer because 
it's a bit like that Patrick Lennon thing. I don't think it would work. But I'd like to, her to do something that, um, I mean, a lot of Madame X did have a kind of an original sound, but there were some of her recent stuff has tried too much to sound like the stuff we're hearing on the radio. Yeah. And I'm, I'm ready for her to really push the boat out and, and try a, a completely different sound. It doesn't have to be a new sound, but something yeah. a bit different. We shall see. So maybe, you know, I'm sure she's a, an, an ardent listener to MLVC and maybe she's Googling. <laughs> oh, your lips to her ears. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. She's probably Googling walking the high line now and she'll be like, Oh, Edward, I remember him. <laughs> I envision like a three song New York street suite, you know, with sidewalk talk, walking on the high line and I love New York. How's that? Yeah. I think, I think that this is what she needs to do. Definitely. <laughs> I see. I want the freshness and like amazing feeling that I had for her next song to be like when I heard Get Together for the first time. So mm-hmm. for me, like when I heard Get Together, it was, I think it had leaked on some Japanese website a week before the official release. And I was listening to it, even though I know I probably shouldn't have, but I couldn't wait. And the hearing the synths as that song started. Mm-hmm. I, was like you having a euphoric moment thinking this is finally the music that I've been waiting for her to do. And that's sort of what I want. Again, I want that feeling of, Oh, thank you, Madonna. You know, like, yeah. You haven't done Get Together on your podcast, have you? I haven't. And I might, it's one of my favorite songs. And I might too, because there is a bit of a story there, because obviously it was originally produced with um, Bloodshine and Avant. And that's right. Quite a different sounding song, and I think she's made a few comments about it. Um, and then Stuart Price came and reconstructed it, and it's 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 one of my favourite songs. So I might well cover that one because there's a lot to say about it. It's kind of a forgotten Madonna song as well. I think uh, I didn't forget. No, no. <laughs> well, us Madonna fans, we we always remember it. I think the general public would never would not know what Bad Girls sounded like or Get Together mm-hmm. or or you know Look of Love, but they they are favorites of us Madonna fans because because they're really good songs, definitely. Um, regarding Look of Love, I would just like to put it out in the universe that we need a remastered version of that song. Yeah, it doesn't sound great, does it? It, it could do no. some work because it's it's a good song, definitely. So, I, you know, I liked the Bloodshot and Avant. Speaking of demos and stuff that yeah. I think might sound better, the Bloodshot and Avant demo of um, How High, mm. I love because it sounds, I don't know, a little bit more funky, I, I think. I don't know if you've heard those demos, but there's yeah. like uh, th- that to me versus the polished album version is like more my favorite than. Uh, than anything else like I, I just love there's like a a fun sort of like I think it's the snare of the the beat and yeah, I, don't, I don't know why do you know what I would love to hear them do something with Madonna now because I love Mike Snow which is their yeah, other project yeah. uh and um her doing something like that would be great actually I'd really like to hear that so may I feel that they've possibly got to the right level now where they should work with her um I, I I don't know what I want Madonna to do next. I'm I'm like you, Steph, and I want to hear something that makes me go, "Wow, this is what I want." But I don't know what it is. I want her to surprise me. Um, I want a dance track. I always say that. That's if what whenever anyone's like, "Well, what do you want Madonna to do next?" Dance album. I always want the dance album, even though yeah. I'm sure she's not in the mood to dance right now with her knee and her hip injuries. But <laughs> uh, she doesn't have to. She can just no, like you know have like, a big you know diamond glitter microphone up on a pedestal and everyone else can dance. Dance around her. 
exactly. <laughs> or just, you can just sit her. They sit her on a platform and float it in the air, and people. Can <laughs> I, so, I, I, yeah, I can't see her being very happy with that. <laughs> Edward, before we go into my favorite part of the podcast, the lightning round questions, uh, oh. I wanted to find out in, you know, all, all your years of research, uh, you know, trying to find out about Madonna's music mm-hmm. and, you know, past productions, what would you say has been the most um, rewarding piece of information that you kind of stumbled upon you know I, I know you've talked to like lucy o'brien and you know uh tony shimkin and other people but like what has been like i don't know like what the aha moment. yeah like an easter egg you know something like oh my god well you already know it. it's the lucky star bit in vogue <laughs> <laughs> i i can't remember how i found that out somebody told me i think a long time ago and they were like yeah it's 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 lucky stars slow down and i was like really and then i went back and listened to it and i was oh yeah yeah it is um you know i was obsessed with the song ray of light for a very long time oh, um, yeah. and you know this is another one where the full multi-track doesn't exist mm-hmm. and there's so many tiny things in that that i would love to to be able to break down and it wasn't really until i did the podcast of that one because i knew i knew the story about seraphin the original right. 1970s song and i knew that christine leach had um done a version but i hadn't actually properly researched this one and so it wasn't until i put that one together that i i you know i really got to i think sometimes madonna has taken someone else's song changed the words taken a third you know how it goes mm-hmm. um and that's certainly you know most of the mdna album for a start um <laughs> but but this the, but what she did to ray of light is she definitely made a, a good song yeah. one of the very best songs that she's ever done she definitely mm-hmm. put her um her stamp of uh, uh her, her footprint on that and i think it was doing the podcast for that one i just realized how good it is and again it's the voice it's yeah. so it, that and, and on ray of light she's technically good she is mm-hmm. she sounds great and it's technically one of her best performances as well um so i think yeah i ha- i had that moment when i put that one together of yeah i of loved that. i if, if you guys haven't heard it yet, his Ray of Light episode is literally a Russian doll. It's just like one thing unpacks another thing, unpacks another thing. And it's like, it's almost like you're some kind of a sleuth, Edward. <laughs> Detective Edward. <laughs> I'm the Miss Marple of the Madonna world. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Stefan, let's do the lightning round. Yes. Uh, so as everyone who listens to the podcast knows, our lightning round is literally just first thing that comes to your mind. It doesn't have to be a definitive answer for the rest of your life. It's where you're at in your Madonna journey today. So okay. uh, favorite Madonna song. Like a prayer. Favorite Madonna video. Vogue. Mm-hmm. Favorite Madonna look? So like tours, photo shoots, videos, wherever. Uh, the photo shoot, uh, I can't think who it was, but of course it gave us the Justify My Love cover and of course the iconic look. Mm-hmm. Is it Stephen Mizell? I can't remember. No, Jean-Baptiste Mondino. Mondino. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. Oh yeah, her like leather daddy look. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Which apparently happened at the end. She was off to go to a party and got changed into that outfit. And he said, hey, that looks great. Come back and uh, I'll take some pictures. And, oh, you know, I didn't know that. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, favorite Madonna tour? It's going to be Blonde Ambition. It was the first one I went to. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't need to justify that, do I? No, uh, no. no, no. I mean, there's, there's a reason why that tour is so memorable 30 years later. Yep. 
Still waiting for a streaming. But, you know, it'll happen. It'll, it'll happen. happen. We've all watched it. <laughs> Edward, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you online and please plug your new book, which is very exciting. Yeah, I'm. so I'm writing a book about... Uh, it's not out yet, so it's. it's uh, I'm supposed to have delivered it by now. Uh, so I'm writing a book about the time I worked on Doctor Who. So I worked on Doctor Who from 2006 to 2017, so a very long period. Uh, and I was um, the brand manager, so I was across a lot of stuff. Um, and you Catherine Tate. Yeah, I was I was working with Catherine Tate, all the all those oh, great people. So it, it's um it's a book about my time there. Um, hey, this is a little fact for you. Um, so when we did the promo shoot for the Catherine Tate series, mm-hmm. um, now the photographer was uh, Woody Baker, Will Baker, who's Kylie Minogue's yeah, stylist. Yeah. He took the photographs, and the song that we had playing when he took those photographs was Vogue. Ah, yeah, I, I remember that, that. Anyway, my book is called Trip of a Lifetime. It should be out later this year, and it's all about that. So, yeah, people, please buy that if you're interested in Doctor I'm, Who. I'm hoping that there's going to be a chapter dedicated to Doctor Who uh, Titanic Christmas episode with Kylie Minogue. Oh, there is. <laughs> you do realize that I am the person responsible for getting Kylie onto Doctor Who. Oh my God! Okay, we yeah. we will bring you back for that when the book is out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, um, because I want to oh, know I, about. Oh, there's so much. I do you know what I was? I'm such a huge Kylie fan as well that I couldn't speak to her. I was work. I was with her every day, and I I just clammed up around her. <laughs> you know, but you know that's a conversation She's for another tiny. time. Yes, Isn't absolutely. She, like, super tiny. She is. Yeah, but so is Madonna. So um, oh. allegedly. Um, and if people want to. I don't feel like Madonna is as tiny as everyone makes her out to be. Well, she's got a big mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if people want to follow uh, me on social media, um, then do go through the Inside the Groove accounts uh, on Twitter, inside, at Inside the Groove. Uh, it's also on Instagram and Facebook. And I'm happy to chat with people. And if people want to tell me that I'm wrong, I'm, I'm happy to hear them say that. <laughs> Edward, it's been incredibly generous of you to cross over and join our podcast. We love listening to your podcast. And, you know, I've always said that there's room for all kinds of voices in Madonna fandom. So thank you so much for joining us. This thank, week. thank you really for having me. It. You know, and the, I'm, I'm honored to be on your podcast. The, the people you've had on to join, you know, the, <laughs> the, that amazing list of people is, is great. Although I did think you would be flying me over to New York. I'm kind of disappointed that we're doing well, this. We'll, we'll do that next time when you are <laughs> during the pandemic. Let me tell you, yeah. we, are, uh, we, are not, we are not handling things well here in the United States. <laughs> when you're on your book, you, no, I'll I was going to say, when you're on your note. book tour, you can come yeah. here and we'll uh, do a special photo shoot on the, uh, on the High Line. <laughs> oh, um, I'll give you all the Kylie Minogue gossip. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Okay. Um, we yeah, just want to say thank you thank- to all of our listeners. Uh, we also want to thank our sponsor for this week, uh, rockandrollscene.net. Don't forget, special offer for our MLVC listeners. Free shipping on any Madonna print by typing Madonna in the coupon code at checkout. So rockandrollscene.net. Yeah, because I'm sure a lot of you guys have been, you know, home, locked down for a few months and you're looking around your walls and you're like, you know, I need to buy something that is going to, you know, complement my space. And what about, you know, a photograph of one of my favorite rock and roll stars? Exactly. (laughs) But yes, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us today. Edward. We appreciate it. Everyone, thanks for listening to uh, the MLVC podcast. Please like and subscribe, rate and review, you know. Follow us on 
Instagram and Twitter, MLVC Podcast. I think we're on Facebook and you know, we're everywhere. Spotify, yeah, just Google Play. Open up your window and scream MLVC Podcast. We'll be there. <laughs> Siri, please play MLVC Podcast. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We will talk to you next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.